morning, everyone. Hey, uh, I'm excited about the message we have today. I'm excited about the worship that's going to happen later uh, as well. But before we get to that, I wanted to introduce you to someone. Um, Four years ago now, we sent Dale and Wendy McMillan from this church to Frisco, Texas. Go ahead, yeah. And uh, they went there to plant a church, and they're back with us today. So we're going to say this to them, okay? I'm going to have both of them stand up. Why don't both of you stand up front here? Wendy, come on up here with Dale. I know she doesn't want to do that, but uh, come on up here. And we're going to, yeah, okay, give it up for me, and yeah. But I want us all to say to them, welcome home, okay? We're going to count to three. And then we're all going to say to them, welcome home, all right? So one, two, three. Welcome home. All right. Dale's going to come up now and share a little with, uh, with us about what's happening. Well, hi, everybody. I got the microphone right. How about that? <laughs> I messed it up last service. Hey, um, I just want you guys to know that we're so excited to be back with you guys. We absolutely consider this place to be home. And when we come back here, there's that sense when we walk in the door from everyone uh, greeting us, from from Van, uh, just everyone. And so it's a great feeling. Uh, we're in town doing a wedding for uh, Greg Snyder's da- daughter, Molly. I don't know if you know her, but we were doing that Friday night and Saturday night. And of course, we wanted to come home. And so here we are. But um, so I, so things are going good in Frisco. We are making a move quickly to uh, a new school, and we've been meeting on Saturday night, and we're going to move to Sunday morning, which we think will be uh, very advantageous to us because Saturday night, people just don't go to church in Texas. Uh, we're in the Bible Belt, and yeah, I, I don't think I alone am going to change that. So we decided we're going to move to Sunday, but... Um, so I'm, I'm excited too about this message Van's going to give today, uh, a prophetic culture. And I want to do something if I can. Is that all right? Um, I, I want you guys to know that when I was a youth pastor, I would look at guys like Van and go, I don't ever want to do that job. <laughs> like I, I really did for 20 years of youth ministry. I told myself I was never going to do that. And I don't know if you know, but you shouldn't tell God stuff like that. <laughs> Because he has a sense of humor, but God had a plan for my life. And I, in, in being a pastor, what I've learned is that a church really does need a leader. A church really does need a point man. It needs someone who will stand in the battle always and, uh, be there. And I want you to know that in doing that for four years, it's not easy And mostly people are critical of you and it's a hard thing to do. And, and so I want to honor Van today because he is like a dad to me. He has been there for me in my life. He sent us out of this church. I even feel like at times when I was here at VCNW, I was a bit of a stinker and our first value in this church And our first value in our church is what? It's mercy. Everybody say mercy. You know, the pastor needs mercy too. (laughs) 
So I, I, as I was thinking about Van, I just wanted to do something that I believe is a prophetic idea, if that's okay. And uh, I, I thought of this, this story in the Old Testament in Exodus. See, I would fall off of this if I preached from here every week because I like to be right on the edge. There was a point in the Old Testament in Exodus where the Amalekites were attacking Israel. And uh, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites and as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and her went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they put a rock, a stone underneath of him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up. And this, to me, is a prophetic picture of what a pastor needs. When you're a leader, you need people to hold your hands up because it's challenging. It's a challenging thing. And so, Van, will you, will you stand right here? Do you mind doing that? So I want to invite anybody, face those people out there. I, I want to invite anybody that will hold up Van's arms to come up here right now and surround him. Lori, come, come stand next to, to Van, will you? We make a way to let let Lori get in here. Man, what an awesome, awesome thing. What an, what a beautiful picture. Luke, you hold that finger up, hold that finger up. Don't let go. Hey, I honestly, guys, I want you to know the, these two people, Lori and Van mean so much to me and Wendy. I tell stories all the time. Last week I was preaching about how I came here and Van just showed me mercy and I grew and, and, and God made me into the leader that I am and into the pastor that I am. And I'm so thankful for these guys and they need you to hold their arms up. And so, so Van, the word that I heard from the Holy Spirit when I was thinking of you was faithful. I just heard the word faithful, that, that you've been here, you've stayed in the pocket. Van's words to me, his words of wisdom when I left to plant a church were, Dale, you'll make it if you just don't quit. <laughs> and I have to tell you, at moments, that's all I had. At moments, I felt like that's all I had. And so, Lord, I thank you for this faithful man. I thank you for this man that stands in the gap for so many people, God, that is willing to go to war with the enemy, God, go on his knees, cry out to you, Lord, for a change in the spiritual realm for children that need you, God. I pray you pour out your presence on him, your anointing on him. And God, right now, I pray that you would give him supernatural strength, that as these arms are being held up by all these other arms, God, that there would be a, a, a surgence of energy through these arms into their arms right now, supernaturally, God. Bring your strength to Lori and Van. Give them new energy in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.
Well, thanks for letting me do that, guys. You guys are awesome. It's good to be here. I'm going to turn it back over to Van so we can hear this amazing message. <laughs> Love you, Van. Thanks, Dale. Man, that was awesome. Wow. Ha, huh, okay, so I don't know what to do now. <clears throat> but I think I, I think I have a good idea here, though, some idea. Um, the message today is titled, What is a Prophetic Community? And so th- that's really kind of our intent is to start answering that today. But as well, w- what my uh, hope is that as we hear the answer to it, we'll also understand the why. Why do we want to be, why should we want to be a prophetic community? Why, why is that something that we're holding up as, as saying this, this is the direction God wants us to go? And, and I think first... Um, you know, when you think of prophecy and you think of the gift of prophecy, uh, when you think of prophecy, you might think of end times prophecy. And, and maybe what comes to your mind is a picture of a mushroom cloud with the word Armageddon writ- written across it. Anybody? You think of that? That's prophecy, like a book of Revelations, kind of scary type prophecy. Uh, someone else might think of a prophet and you might picture some wild-eyed, uh, crazy-looking guy on a street corner with a sign that says, Repent, the end is near. Or you, or you might think of some Old Testament figure carrying uh, a, a, maybe some stone tablets and pointing at people and angrily shouting at them and telling them they have to repent, they have to change. And the problem with both of those is that prophecy in the Bible, first of all, is not primarily about the end times. It, most, most prophecy in the Bible is about the right now. It's about what's God's heart for what's happening right now. And, and the, the other picture of the angry prophet condemning people for their sin just isn't, isn't uh, right either. Because if it's a revelation of God's heart, then we have to understand what God's heart is. And God's heart is good. God's heart is filled with love for his creation and for people. And in fact, I just want to spend some time on that right now. I think it's really important that as we think of this gift of prophecy, that we really have the right view of God's heart, because prophecy is a revelation of God's heart. It's him revealing his heart to us. And you start out in Ezekiel 18, and this is an Old Testament passage written by a prophet, and it's God speaking, and God says this, I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, turn back to me and live. Now, this picture of the prophet that is angry and condemning and judgmental and has a chip on his shoulder, it is not a representation of the heart of God. That's a picture that that we somehow develop in our minds because we misread things in the Bible. And... The, the heart of God is he takes no pleasure in, in anyone's death. Another place in that, in that passage says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so the idea that, that God is, is just ready to throw lightning bolts at people and destroy them and that somehow that satisfies him is not a biblical picture of the heart of God. Now, you read on in the book of Psalms, it says, uh, Psalm 27, 1, the psalmist said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
Let's say that, that, that phrase, goodness of the Lord. Say that together with me. Goodness of the Lord. Let's again. Goodness of the Lord. And here, this psalmist says, I hit points in life where I, I just can't see daylight. It seems like everything, not, nothing's working right. But there's one thing that keeps me going, and that is I am confident I will see God's goodness in this lifetime. Not just in heaven, but in this lifetime. Listen, when you're struggling, when you're, when you're, when you're teetering on despair and hopelessness, that's a verse that will light your heart up. You just memorize that verse. You start praying it, and, and you start thinking about it and meditating on it and asking the Holy Spirit to work it into your heart. And it will give you a new view of who God is. God's good, and, and he, he reveals his goodness to us in this lifetime. Now, Psalm 107 he says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Okay, God's good. You know, you know what steadfast love is? It's love that never ends. And so he's, he's using a double, uh, a double description here. It's a steadfast love that has no ending. It's a steadfast love that's steadfast. It's an unending love that's unending. You think he wants us to get the point of who God is? God's heart is filled with steadfast love, and it's unending love. And so we look at that, and we start to get a picture of who God really is. In Psalm 145, it says, The Lord is good to everyone. Let's just say that whole phrase together. The Lord is good to everyone. The Lord is good to everyone. Say it again. The Lord is good to everyone. Okay, who's he good to? Everyone. Does that include you? Yes. God's good. We focus on his goodness. We see his goodness. And the gift of prophecy reveals the heart of God. So the gift of prophecy is going to reveal the goodness of God. And in the New Testament, it goes on. And it says in Romans 2, 4, God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Okay, what leads us to repentance? God's kindness, that's right. How about God's judgment? How about the fear of God? How about God's anger and wrath? No, it's God's kindness. You see, if, if I don't believe God's good, if I don't believe he's kind, then how am I ever going to turn to him? And when people, when people like present God as wrathful with, with a, a quiver of lightning bolts that he's ready to, to you know, fire out at anyone that disappoints him in any way, then we're not drawing people to repentance. We're pushing people away because God's good and his kindness leads us to repentance. Repentance is a word that simply means turning to him, means turning back to him. So, the New Testament uh, has, has so much on this. James 1 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And he's right, let, let me back up. This is being written to a group of people that are facing persecution because of their faith in Jesus. They're facing hardship and difficulty. And right in the midst of that, he wants them to know that's not coming from God. You know, all that persecution, that's not coming from God. He says this Don't be deceived. Every, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, 
coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, shadow due to change. And so the picture here is God gives good gifts to his children, good gifts, and, and God is light. And so when God's facing you, that you feel like, you know, God's light is shining on you. But in this picture, he wants us to think of this, that some people would think, well, God's turned away from me. God's face was shining on me. In the Old Testament, that was a prayer, may, may his face shine on you. But, but God's turned away from me, and now I'm in his shadow. But this is saying that doesn't happen. He doesn't turn away. He, he doesn't just inadvertently put you in his shadow. God's good. He's faithful. His everlasting love endures forever. His, his faithful love continues to be faithful. And so when we really begin to get this grasp of God's goodness, we can see the gift of prophecy. In fact, we can see all of ministry in a different light. And the way that we, the way we love people as Jesus wants them to. But Romans 15 is a, a great verse, it, hope. Let's just read it. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in your believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit... You may abound in hope. See, God's good. He wants to fill us with hope. And in uh, John 14, powerful passage that really forms a core belief here at this church as part of our core, core understanding of who God is. Uh, this is the night that Jesus uh, spends the last time with his apostles. Uh, he's just had the, the, the last supper with them. They're out now. And they're moving towards the garden, and he's, he's talking with them. And, uh, and, and Jesus tells them he's going to go away. Okay, now, these guys, these guys didn't have their act together with Jesus there. And so now they're thinking, that you're going away? Man, we're just starting to get this. How can you can't go away? you got to stay. And they're confused and disappointed and filled with fear and angst and anxiety. And, and they're saying, where are you going? Tell us where you're going. We're coming with you. And Jesus says, you know where I'm going. And no, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that doesn't make any sense to them. And so uh, Philip goes on and, and, and he, he says to him, Philip said to him, Lord, just show us the Father and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. This is the truth. Jesus reveals to us everything we need to know about God. Jesus reveals to us the truth of who God is. And any of us that have the idea that there's this Old Testament God who is kind of like God the Father who's pretty angry about stuff and, you know, and he wants to run a tight ship and, and, and he's really upset that we aren't cooperating with that. But then Jesus, his son's a little bit nicer and Jesus comes and he's kind of like becomes one of us and he's like our brother and all of that. And the only reason that God the Father likes us is because Jesus likes us. I mean, that, that's a lot of pe- that's a, that's the, that's the, that's the kind of the uh, vision a lot of people have of God and of God the Father and their relationship with God the Father. That God the Father would just soon kick me out. If he had his way, he wouldn't have me around. But because I'm Jesus' friend, he's got to tolerate me. But what this is saying is, 
Whatever you see in Jesus, that's who God is. Whatever Jesus does, that's what God the Father does. And so we see God the Father through seeing Jesus and seeing who he is and how he lived. Now, in Acts 10, 37 and 38, just a powerful passage. And he's, he's talking, looking back on the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ. He says, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he, Jesus, went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. All right, what did Jesus go around doing? Good. He did good, didn't he? Everywhere he went, he did good. But how do you define good? A lot of Christians and a lot of theology wants to say, well, God giving someone cancer is really a good thing because that person needs to grow and learn and and, and all. Now, listen, if a person has cancer, if I go downtown and I get mugged, you know, God, and, and I'm trusting God, God's going to teach me through that. I'm going to grow closer to him through it. But that doesn't mean he sent the cancer and that doesn't mean he sent the muggers. Okay. And so doing good, it, we can't like redefine the word good and make it this weird secretive thing that somehow in some twisted way, God putting someone in a wheelchair for the rest of their life is a good thing. Nobody believes that. That's why we go to doctors. Listen, if, if a person really believed that God gave them that, then why would you go to the, why would I go to a doctor to try to get rid of it? God gave it to me. I better keep it. It's a good gift. It's good. In some mystery, this is good. But the truth is, we all, we all intuitively recognize cancer is horrible. Having a car accident and coming away from a paralyzed is a horrible thing. Now, God will be faithful to you through it. God won't leave you. God will give you strength and, and he'll love you. And you can still have a, a full, profitable life exercising the gifts that God's put in you. But the, the fact of that tragedy is a bad thing. It's not good. And so Jesus went around doing good and healing everybody. He healed everybody. I think it was, was it Luke that said this or was it Wilson last week in the panel? Jesus never came to someone and said, well, okay, you have this uh, debilitating illness. I'll check with you. I don't think God's done working in you yet. I'll come back in a week and see if you've learned your lesson and then I'll heal you. You, know, you need to stay blind for another couple weeks. And then when you learn your lesson, then, then, no, Jesus healed everyone. He healed them all because he did good. And that's what we see God. That's who God is. That's God the Father's heart. And when we really begin to grasp that, then we have a new uh, way to look at prophecy and, and how we interact and minister to each other. So with that as a background, let's look at a couple of verses on prophecy itself. 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to delve into prophecy much more deeply than this in upcoming weeks. But, but here we find the intent of prophecy. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening encouraging and comforting strengthening encouraging and comforting 
Those are the three words that govern what prophetic words are to carry with them into that person's life. They strengthen the person. They encourage the person. And they bring comfort as well. Because prophetic words release the presence of God. And there's nothing better, nothing more comforting and hopeful in our lives than experiencing God's presence when our hearts are inclined towards Him. And and so prophetic ministry is not something that is uh, harsh and condemning, but it, it, uh, it comforts, it encourages, it builds up. Now, he said it is speak, it, the prophet speaks to people. So the prophet gives a message, but where do you get that message? How do you get a prophetic message? Where does it come from? And, and we see the answer to that in a later verse in that chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, 30. He says, if someone's prophesying, and the picture here is, is a group of people, maybe 30, 40, 50 people gathered in a house church, and they, you know, there's relationship there. There's a relational bond in this group. He's not talking about hundreds of people together, but where there's a relational connection. And someone gifted as a prophet is giving a word to the group. You know, they, they sense that God spoke to them and and they kind of like get the nod from the leader, this is the right moment, and they're giving their prophetic word to the group. And as they're talking and sharing what God, what God gave them, someone else gets a revelation. And what that means is, someone else sitting there, suddenly God speaks into their mind, and, and they, they understand, oh, God wants to say this to this group. And so what's supposed to happen then? the first prophet stops talking and sits down and allows the next one to share their word. Now that tells me something, first of all, that New Testament prophecy is not word for word God's message. It's not, it's not like, like we should not say, thus saith the Lord. And then, you know, these words are, these exact words, we're using these phrases, these exact words are from God. You follow what I'm saying? It's a message that the person's giving. And sometimes, just like a preacher can preach too long, a prophet can talk too long. You know, a prophet can, can stretch that message out. I've heard a lot of prophetic words where I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh boy. You know? You know what? Well, you know what I'm saying. If you had just stopped about two minutes ago... We would have ended on a high note right there. You think that about me, I'm sure, many weeks. So, um, But the point is that there's a, there's a, there's a working with God and, and in us, and he puts the message in us, and I interpret it through my grid and through my language and through my experience, and then I speak it out the best I can to release it to that group. And sometimes there are short phrases that are just almost like, I mean, I've had short prophetic words given that it just seemed like, wow, th- that sounds like God just said those exact words from heaven to me. Sometimes that happens. Most of the time, it is the message is pressed into me. I filter it. It goes through my language barriers and everything, and then it comes out as it comes out most of the time. And so that's something we learn about prophecy right there, just from this verse. But the main point I want to make with this is it's revelation. It's God speaking to us. God puts something in my mind that he wants to share with someone else. 
You know, someone asked a question, and we haven't had a chance to answer this yet. Um, and by the way, we're going to leave that question uh, uh, icon up on the app. We're going to try to set up some way for us to respond to questions without taking a whole service here to do that. But there was a question, why doesn't, on healing, and we're talking about healing as God giving a gift to that person and giving it to them through me. And the question was, why doesn't God give that directly to that person? Does that make sense? So if God wants to speak to you, why doesn't he just speak to you directly? Well, he does sometimes, oftentimes. But um, with the gift of healing, as that question was asked, it, it's, it, sometimes he does heal just directly. We call, I call that healing just sovereignly. He breaks in and he says, I'm going to bypass the normal system here. Bang, you're healed. What's the normal system? Well, it all goes back to God telling Adam and Eve, I want you to subdue the earth. I want the two of you to go out and fill the earth. I want the two of you to make the earth what it's supposed to be, what my vision for it is. And, and, he, and he renewed that vision when, he sent, when Jesus sent us out into the world to make disciples of all the nations. God could make disciples of all the nations. God could send an angel to Zimbabwe. Do a better job than we'll do. But God's, God wants us to be in relationship with him. And he wants us to be in relationship with each other because that's how families work. And, the, you know, there's no greater relational connection that you can make than when you have something that is significant and important and you do it together. That's where hearts are bound together. And so as I, as, as I pass that gift of healing to somebody, our hearts are united and God rejoices because he loves to see his kids get along. He loves to see his kids have united hearts. And so when, when someone gets a prophetic word and they share it with you, and it might just be something you've already heard from God, but when they share it with you, it's just like, God, I, you know, I, I know I heard that, but you gave that, you love me so much, you gave that to them to give to me just to confirm the whole thing. And what that does is it binds my heart with the, with the person that gave me the prophetic word. I saw some people this weekend that I haven't seen for a lot of years. One of them gave me a prophetic word once about reaching young adults. This was when we were still in Champaign. And I see her... And I've seen her a couple times in the last 20 years, but not often. And this time I really got to talk to her. And I said, Doral, you remember, you gave me that prophetic word. And then remember what happened in Champaign with, with the, the explosion of young adults and, and what's happening in our church now? I said, you gave, you gave me that prophetic word 20 years ago. And so I have a special connection to her, heart to heart. And so that's why God uses us to speak to others. But he gives a revelation, and then it is spoken, and, and it comes at the moment. Oftentimes it comes at the moment. That doesn't mean the prophetic words can't come ahead of time. They do come ahead of time too, but often they just happen at the moment. So here's a definition. <clears throat> Prophecy is speaking the message God once given at the moment. It's to an individual or a group of people. Okay, it's simple. Speaking the message that God wants given at the moment to an individual or a group of people. And it's, it comes, when, when that's done, it comes with anointing. 
Just, just like Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit to go around and do good. And when I connect with a word that God wants to give to somebody and I speak it to them, then there is something additional. It's more than just encouragement. And this happened in a seminar. We were, te- I was, we were, Lori and I were leading a retreat this weekend, and I was giving them an illustration of this. And I saw a guy sitting, and I knew this guy, and, and I, behind him there was an orange bucket. And orange, the orange color reminded me of the fall and of leaves. And this was a retreat for people 50 and above, so the whole theme was older people. And I said, so, you know, for instance, I, I would look over here, and I'd look, look at uh, Ray, and I'd see that orange bucket behind him. And I might say to him, uh, you know, Ray, you might feel like you're in the fall of your life. You know, like the leaves are turning colors, and... And, and, and there's a chill in the air, and you're coming to the end. But what God wants to say to you is the fall's the most beautiful time of year. What he wants to say to you is the fall's the time that, that he loves best, and, and, he, and he can't wait to see everything he's going to do in you and through you and how you respond to it. And about a third of the way through that, as I'm just giving it as an illustration, the Holy Spirit just, just kind of like breathes on it. And, and I could sense it, and he could sense it, and you could just sense it. That, that, was, that was really a word that God wanted him to hear at that moment. And so it comes with life, and, and it brings power. You know, on, on earth as it is in heaven, that's, the, that's what we're shooting for. Prophetic ministry is the revelation of heaven to earth. And we release it. And it releases, it releases his presence and power on earth. In the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel had a vision of these dry bones in a valley. And they're all just lying there and they're all dead. And, and God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, uh, I, I, boy, I want to think more about this. But you know what his answer was? His answer was, you know, Lord. <laughs> I'm not committing here, okay? I feel like... I feel like Ezekiel's thinking, is this a trick question? And then God says, here's what you do. You speak to them. You tell them to come to life. And so Ezekiel prophesies to them. And he says, bones come to life. And he says, as I prophesied and commanded, I heard a sound. And the bones start rattling. And they start, they start connecting in the shoulders and clavicles and the hips and all the spine... And everything starts coming back together and then sinew and muscle and flesh, skin. And then there's no breath in them. So God says, well, breathe, prophesy life to them. Come on. So Ezekiel calls the breath of life and they, and they all breathe and they come to life. And that's an incredible picture of the power of prophecy. That's what that is right there. Prophetic ministry releases heaven to earth. That's why we want it. That's why we want to be a prophetic church. So it, it, it's, it's just incredible. But, um, you know, while Old Testament prophecy gives us these illustrations of God's power, there, there are differences between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. And difference, you know, first of all, in the constitutional makeup of a believer, th- there was a difference. In the Old Testament, um, they become believers and the Holy Spirit would be with them. But the Holy Spirit didn't actually enter into them. He didn't actually come inside them. Jesus said that. He said, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he's going to be in you. 
See, that was a key pivotal point when Jesus died, rose from the dead, sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't just live with them. He came into them. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit lived in a temple. I mean, he lived all the, over the earth, but he manifested his presence in a temple. When Jesus rose from the dead and, and sin was dealt with, the Holy Spirit left the temple and came to live inside you. And as New Testament believers, we are born again. We have new hearts. And in the Old Testament, something happened with them. I don't, it's, it's really difficult to fully describe the differences because there was a work of the Spirit on their hearts, but it wasn't the same as us. It wasn't beginning born again. And it wasn't becoming a new person. And that made prophecy different. Because the Holy Spirit was with them but not in them, then that means prophecy came from the outside. Because the Holy Spirit wasn't, wasn't inside them, the... Uh, Prophecy focused on external correction. Kind of like a parents with a toddler. Don't touch that. If you touch that, you're going to get burned. Don't, you know, don't do that. That's hot. And don't do this and pick that up. It was, it was focused on external things. And so we read that and we think, oh man, God's pretty harsh. Look at that. He's just constantly on their case. But it really, it was the way Old Testament prophecy worked. Now, it also um, it came to just a few people. Everybody didn't get to prophesy. And, uh, and yet it did release life and power. So, nevertheless, God promised something different. In Ezekiel 36, God promised this. He says, in that day, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony heart, your stubborn heart, and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. I love that, a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my ways and be careful to obey my words. So now he's promising a day's coming when this is all going to be different. And you're going to get a new heart, a responsive heart. And because you get this new heart, the Holy Spirit can come and live inside of you now. And the, the crux of this is that in the Old Testament, sin was put away from people when they were forgiven. But it was kind of like put off in a storehouse. You know, the, even the verse that says, uh, as far as the east is from the west, that far I've separated your sins from you. Now remember your sins no more. It doesn't say that sin was obliterated. On the cross, Jesus obliterated sin. It's like throughout the whole Old Testament period, God took all the sin and he stored it up some way, somewhere far enough away that it's, you know, it's gone, but it wasn't paid for yet. And when Jesus hung on the cross, God opened that storehouse of sin up and he heaped it all on Jesus. That's why the Bible says he became sin for us. And, and all of our sin, future sin, God saw it all and he heaped that all on Jesus. And so Jesus paid for it. It was done with, it's obliterated, it's vaporized, it's gone, and that means we get new hearts today. That means we get new hearts, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. So this whole prophetic thing today, it comes from the inside. Now that doesn't mean that God can't speak from the outside, He does. He can send angels, and angels are not inside of us, 
They speak from the outside. And you can hear God's voice from the outside. But primarily, prophecy is originating and coming from the inside because that's where the Holy Spirit is. And it's focused on, not on the, the uh, junk, it's focused on the new heart. It's like this in the Old Testament period. Well, we all have junk, okay? Let's just say that. Old Testament, New Testament, we all have junk in our lives. Whether it's jealousy, anger, um, lust, whatever it might be, we all have junk floating around in there. Self-doubt, fear, anxiety, all have all this junk floating. In the Old Testament, it was like the prophetic words were, stop that. It was, it was given to the junk. It was speaking to the junk. But, and, and it was also speaking to the heart. Don't get me wrong. This is, none of, this is not like absolute thinking here. But it, just think of it this way. The, the God was attacking the external behavior, the junk. Now, in the New Testament, I have a new heart. I still have junk in my life because my mind's not fully renewed. And it's getting renewed, but it's not fully renewed. So God, rather than focusing on the junk, he, he maneuvers past the junk to speak to my new heart. Because I have a responsive heart now. And so what he wants to do, hit that responsive heart and that'll take care of the junk. And so prophecy today speaks to the heart. And that's why we say we're trying to call out the gold in other people. We want to speak to the gold in you. And I mean, and sometimes we have to talk to people about the junk. You have to say, hey, man, that's a pretty big piece of junk you got orbiting around your life there. <laughs> and uh, since you and I are good friends... And, and you know how much I love you. I just wanted to point that out. Did you know that you have this big... And, and do you realize that that piece of junk is not who you are? And so you, you might have to reference the junk, but you speak to the heart. Because the heart's responsive. And they're going to respond from the heart. So prophecy today is something that is, uh, is powerful and it... Thank God we have people that are gifted as prophets. We have people that are gifted as prophets. And now all of us can engage in prophecy to some level. But we have people that are gifted as prophets. You know what the people who are gifted as prophets do? They remind us constantly that this whole thing is supernatural. They remind us that, yeah, if you have the gift of leadership, yeah, read the good leadership books. But... Man, you got to have the Holy Spirit breathing into that. You got to have revelation breathing into that, and and use the gift of helps or hospitality. Man, you got to have the, the the breath of God breathing into that and through that. And preaching, don't just give a good speech. You got to have the Holy Spirit breathing through that. It's got to be life giving. And the prophets constantly remind us of that. And then and then we're all challenged to say, Yeah, I need revelation from God too. If nothing else, just for my daily life, read, i got to read the Bible. God, speak to me. And so that, that's kind of the direction we're headed with this whole series. It's going to be awesome. Um, worship today is going to um, blow the roof off this place. So let's go into that, all right? Nick, come on up.